Exodus chapter 3. For our scripture reading, we'll, we'll read through the whole chapter and our, our text will be between verses 6 and 17. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, and this is the title of the message. I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done unto you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt, unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and they shall come, and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. 
And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and have heard that sojourneth in the house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. He shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters. and You shall spoil the Egyptians. Let's pray together. Our holy heavenly father, we, we come before your throne humbly seeking a, a blessing and, and your favor for Christ's sake this evening. Pray that your spirit be with us, that your message go forth. And we come, we come boldly based on the authority of, of Christ and his word. We plead Christ before you. And we pray that you be with us this evening and bless this time. Comfort those that need comforted. And what we pray for ourselves, we, we pray for congregations everywhere who are, who are meeting even now that, that you bless your word as it go forth, bring glory to your name. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Again, our, our text is between verses 6 and 17. And again, that's where we get the title of the message there in verse six. I'm the God of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He says that three times just here in this one chapter and, and many times throughout the Bible, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We see there in, in verse six that, uh, that that Moses recognized this saying. He recognized that, that he was talking to the almighty, sovereign, holy God. Because it says in verse six there that, that Moses Moses hid his face. He was afraid to even look upon God. He was looking at, at the sovereign God. So let's look this evening and and see if we see what Moses saw in this phrase: the the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of the God of Jacob. Uh, this text again, particularly verses six through seventeen, they're they're filled with God's promises to Moses. Filled with God's promises to Moses and to his children in, in Israel. And we look through these promises and, and we ask ourselves, are, are these promises also to us? Are, are these promises that, that God is making to Moses, to Israel, to his people? Are these promises also, are, are they to me? And then finally, we'll look through and see how these promises have been fulfilled. How all of God's promises will, were, were fulfilled to Israel they were filled to Abraham, to, to Isaac, to, to Jacob. They were fulfilled here to Moses. How all of those promises are fulfilled. And what I pray that we see is that all of these promises are fulfilled for us in Christ. That's the, that's the, the topic of the message. That's the point of every message is Christ. All these promises are already fulfilled in Christ. And, and that's what I want to pause and, and see. We want to see... What are the promises and, and, and who's making the promises and, and how are those promises fulfilled? And the answer is that they're all fulfilled in Christ. So we'll start at the beginning and work backwards. They're all fulfilled in Christ. Now, let, now let's look at the promises and, and see how they're fulfilled. So first, what are the promises? Look, look here with me in, at verse 7. The Lord's promises. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. 
for I know their sorrows. He says, I have seen. He says, I have heard. God says, I know. I love that there at the end of that verse. I know their sorrows. That's not only, I hesitate to use that word, that's not strictly, solely, a a knowledge of of the sorrows that his people have. It's an intimate knowledge of the sorrows that his people have. It's a, it's a, I know, it's a, I relate. I relate. I have an intimate knowledge of the sorrows that they have. Verse 8. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, I am come down. I will deliver. I will bring up. And and you see a trend here with the promise, right? God's promises are always, always contingent on his will. Every one of these promises is, is I will. I will. It, it starts from God and it finishes with God. God is the author and, and finisher of our salvation. I will. I will. They're, they're, never, uh, they're, they're never based on a contingency with us. They're always a promise of and from and contingent on God. They're, they're a, a product of his goodness, a product of his, his power, his sovereignty, his goodness, his mercy. They're a product of that. They're, they're not a product of our response. Um, they're not a product of us in any, any way, shape, or form. They're, they're contingent. They're hinged. All of God's promises are hinged on himself, on his power, on his goodness, on his mercy, not on our response. They're always contingent on him. When we go into a store and we buy something, we buy something contingent on what we give the store, right? I buy something from the store. I give them money and I walk out because we're equal, right? I've picked up something and I've paid them for it. The store and I are equal. We're on, on square ground. There's equity. There's equal. I walk out the door. And then our, our, our fallen sinful nature is just on full display here. Because if we can even think that there's some attribute, attribute of myself, an action that I can do or, or some attribute of my character that can make me equal with God. That's what works religion is. That's what we're born into. That's our, that's our sinful nature just clings to that. that. That I would think that I could even get God to turn his head and notice based on anything that I do or have done or don't do or haven't done or won't do <laughs> or anything about myself. If it, if it starts with me and I believe that I can get God's attention based on that, is that not evidence of a dead nature? In fact, I wrote in my notes and I underlined it a few times. If I believe that my actions could even get God's head to, to turn his attention to me, then I am dead wrong. I answered that. I underlined that word dead wrong. And that's exactly right. And, and we think that way because we are dead in our father, Adam, and we'll stay that way outside of God's grace. If I can think that his, his holiness would somehow turn his head change his direction based on something that I have done or not done. My goodness, arrogance isn't strong enough word. That's rebellion and, and, and sinfulness and, and treason is, is what that is, that I think that we could be equal. And not only in, in my heart, in my sinful fleshly heart, not only do I think I can get his attention, I believe I can get his favor by, by what I have done or not done or think or don't think 
and I've sold God the Father way short, and I've lifted myself up way, way, way too high. Dead wrong. Thinking like that, believing like that is, 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 is dead wrong to my soul. It's thinking from a dead nature, and it will get me dead. That's a dead wrong. That I could get God the Father's favor. Moses wouldn't even look at, look at him. He took off his shoes, he was on holy ground, and averted his eyes. That I believe I could be equal with God. That nature from my father Adam, no different from the nature of Lucifer himself, who said, I will, I will, I will be like God, right? Same, same sinfulness. And that's really the issue, again, that we inherited from our father Adam, that, that nature that is just so rebellious against God that in, in, in my own warped view of justice, that I believe God owes me his favor. That's what we're born into, that we believe by nature that God owes us his favor. How dead wrong, how dreadfully sinful, dead wrong. And even more so, and this isn't too strong, in our nature, we hate him for it. We hate him for it. That we're not equal. No different than Lucifer. I will, I will, I will. No different than Adam, who took, who took the fruit to be equal with God. Because in our nature, we hate him for it. Turn with me to, to Romans chapter 10. And I say that, well, partially because it's true, and partially it just seems that I've been bombarded lately with arguments of, of, a, of a harsh God who is punishing us for a little misconception that we're just thinking a little bit wrong. And, and that's not it. it we're, we're thinking wrong because our hearts are wrong and rebellious, and, and God is just in damning us for it. Um, Romans chapter 10. Uh, read through the first 11 verses. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them a record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend to the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Righteousness outside of Christ is dead wrong. What are those promises again? The, the, the promises of God are, I, I have seen, I have heard, I know. I'm come down. I will deliver. I will bring up. And, and, and we'd be going about still 
to establish our own righteousness. If not for God who promises, I will, I will, I will. Based on his strength, based on his will, based on the the depth of his goodness, based on the the, the strength of, of, of his sovereignty and, and his goodness, all based on him. What else does he promise? Uh, back in, in Exodus chapter 3, look with me in verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? In verse 12, and, and, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee. I will. I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God on this mountain. All those promises, right? I will deliver. I will I will be with thee. I have come down. I will deliver. I will bring up. I know. I intimately know the sorrows of Israel. These are all promises of God. I will. So who's making these promises? You know, promises are only as good as the person making them, right? Um, to, to fulfill a promise, to accomplish a promise, that anything that anyone says to us, that person that's promising has to be both willing, what capable of doing it, right? Also has to be able, has to be willing and able to, to fulfill any promise that someone makes to me. A person has to be capable. A person has to be willing. A person makes a, a promise to me, in addition to them being capable and willing, I want to know a little bit about their track record also, right? Hey, very interested in their track record. Um, we had our house remodeled a couple years ago. I was real interested in the track record of the contractor that was inside our house doing everything. I wanted to make sure he'd done this for. I can promise to come into your house and redo anything you want me to. You see my track record? with control? You don't want anything to do with that, Right. But I knew his track record. He was one of he did he, he did a good job. I want to know something about their I want to know something about their history, their track track record. Have they made this promise before? Are they capable of doing it? Did they do it? Uh, did they do it well? I want to know. Have they ever failed? Have they ever failed? I want I want to know that. And and what is my confidence? It's based on on who they are and what their history is. Right? That's, that's the, the, the oomph behind a promise. Right? That's my confidence you know, behind the promise. Who, who's making these promises here that we're reading? Uh, and look with me still in Exodus there, uh, verse 13. Who's making these promises? Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am. Children of Israel said, you know, so what is his name? It's a good question. What's his name based on these promises? What shall I say unto them? The Lord answers, I am that I am. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And his name speaks to, it speaks to his character. It speaks to his goodness. It speaks to his power, and it also speaks to his track record. As he said, I'm the God of Abraham, of, of Isaac, and of, of Jacob. That's his name. It's, it's, it's who he is. He says, I am. And we can have confidence in that. College football fans um, 
see all over the place right now, the whole name, image, and likeness deal. If you're familiar with the name, image, and likeness deal of all college athletics, in college athletics now, name, image, and likeness is a big deal because college athletes can be paid based on their name, their image, and their likeness. Well, what is it about a college athlete that makes their name, their image, or their likeness have any value whatsoever? Why is their name, why is their name of a college football player worth anything at all? Why does that have any worth to it? I looked up, as hard as this was for me, I looked up Ohio State's quarterback, C.J. Stroud, and then I looked up that last name Stroud on white pages, and there's over 500 people in Columbus alone with the last name of Stroud. Why does C.J. Stroud's name mean so much? You know, he signed name, image, likeness deals of well over a million dollars. Why does Stroud mean anything? Why does it have any value whatsoever? Hundreds of people living in Columbus with the last name Stroud. But his is valuable because of who he is. He's the starting quarterback for Ohio State. That's who he is. He's got, he's got some, some power behind his name because of his title. His name is valuable uh, because of what he has done and because of what he's expected to do. His name is valuable because of who he is. So C.J. Stroud can make a whole bunch of money on his name. His name is valuable because of who he is, what his title is, and what he's done. You follow that silly example, right? So it is with our Lord. What, what is the value of his name? He, he, he says here, he is the I am. I am. He, he was, he is, he will be. The same. Unchanging, unchangeable, no need to change. Perfect yesterday, perfect today, perfect tomorrow. Merciful yesterday, merciful today, right now, merciful tomorrow. His name is valuable because of who he is, because of what his title is, because of what he has done and because of what he will do. His name is valuable. He says, I am. He was, he is, he will be. He's capable. And glory to God, he is willing, willing, merciful. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of, of, of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. He has a very proven, perfect track record. No failures, none whatsoever. And let's look briefly at these promises that God made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Because he told the people of Israel through Moses, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That meant something to them. They, they knew what that track record meant. Uh, turn back into Genesis. We'll look at a few verses in Genesis, starting in chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Here in Genesis chapter 12, in the first three verses. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Lord says uh, to, to Abram, I will. I will show, right? I will show, meaning I'll, I'll deliver thee out of this godless nation, this sinful nation. I'll deliver thee out of this sinful nation. I'll deliver thee to life. 
I, I will. I'll show thee a land. I'll deliver thee. Abraham didn't seek God. God called Abraham. And he said, I will. He says, I will make. Did he say that in, in, in verse 2? I will make of thee a great nation. I will create a great nation out of a fatherless Abraham, who at the time was at least 75 years old. I will make a great nation out of you, out of, out of, out of deadness, out of nothing. I will make something that isn't there right now out of nothing. I will create something new. I will make of thee a great nation. I, the Lord, will do that from nothing, from deadness, from the impossible. I'll deliver thee out of sin, and I'll create a great nation out of you. I, the Lord, will do that. That's what he tells Abraham. He says, I, I will bless in verse 3. I will. I will bless. I will keep. Right? I'll, I'll draw you out. I'll, I'll create a new creation, and I will keep you. That's what God says to Abraham. What does he say? He said to Isaac, uh, turn over a few pages to um, Genesis chapter 26. Here in, in Genesis chapter 26, let's look at the, the first few, first four verses. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. I will be with thee. I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed, I will give all these countries. I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as, as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto thee, unto thy seed, all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. I will give. The Lord says, I will provide. I will give. I will provide. I will perform. He says, right? I, I will, in verse 3, I'll, I'll, I'll perform the, the oath. I'll perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham, my father. I'll, I'll finish. I'll provide. I will finish. Verse 4, he says, I will multiply. I will sustain. And of, of, of Jacob, uh, look over a page in, in chapter 28. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In chapter 28 of Genesis, uh, starting in verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took of the stones of that place and, and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereof thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I with thee. And will keep thee in all. Whether thou goest 
and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. I with thee. The God of, the God of Jacob shows Jacob the ladder. I will provide access between God and man. He says, I, in verse 15, I with thee. The Lord promises oneness, oneness with Jacob, a a connection joining God and man. And he says further, verse 15, I will not leave thee. A permanent bond between God and man. So, so, so who's making these promises? God, who, who is the I am. God, God, who is the immovable, unchangeable, sovereign God. God who, who created and, and, and sustains the entire universe. Listen to, to Isaiah here in chapter 40. Isaiah says, this is, this is our God. This is our I am. God, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his, his hand and, and meted out heaven with the span? That's the span right there, right? That's, that's the power of our God, right? Who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, meted out heaven with the span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Our God does. I am. That's this I am. Isaiah goes on to say, have, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Who's making these promises? That great I am, the same I am that was then, is now, is today. Who's making these promises? I am. The God of, of Abraham, of Isaac, of, of Jacob. The God who promised. He promised Abraham to deliver him, to create in him, and to protect a nation in Abraham. To, to Isaac, he promised to provide, to perform the oath that he had made, to finish the oath, and to sustain Isaac. And to Jacob, he promised to create access to God to create oneness between God and man and and to create an unbreakable bond with Jacob. He is able. He is willing. He has a perfect track record. He's never lost. He's never quit. His track record is, is, is perfect. Finally, promises fulfilled. So we see all of these promises, all of these promises are fulfilled in, in the great I am again, the God of Abraham, the God of, of Isaac, the God of Jacob, Absolutely finished and completely fulfilled, all in Christ. Um, turn with me over to, to John chapter 8. All the promises in this chapter, and, 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 and you all know, all the promises from cover to cover are all fulfilled in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. John, John chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 23. And he said unto him, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, 
if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you. He that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, of man, then shall ye know that I am. And I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. All of the promises fulfilled in Christ. Uh, turn over a few pages to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, beginning in in verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am. Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell unto the ground. Then asked he again, Whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. The great I am. All these promises fulfilled in in Christ. All the promises of Moses fulfilled in Christ. And by Christ. In Christ. Through Christ. From Christ. All the promises fulfilled through Christ. The I am. Do you remember back where we began, what he first told, promised Moses? He promised, I have seen, I have heard, I know. I know the sorrows of Egypt or of Israel, right? I know. How, do, how does Christ know? How does Christ know my sorrows? How does Christ know my trial in this world? Because he was made man. How does he know my sin sorrow? Because he was made sin. And Christ is the only one that could say that. I don't know your sin, not to the intimate knowledge that Christ does. I don't even know my own to the intimate knowledge that Christ does because he was made sin, made sin. How does he know? How can he say that to me? For I know their sorrows. How does he know their sorrows? Because he was made sin. He was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was made sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. I've seen, I've, I've heard, I know, Christ promises to, to Moses, I know. I'm come down, I will deliver, I will bring up. All accomplished by Christ, and only in Christ, only through Christ. What, what did he promise to Abraham? He promised, I will deliver. And he fulfills that promise in, in Christ when he delivers his, his spiritual Israel from death, death in sin to life in Christ. I will deliver, he promises, and he has. We're we're born in death and we deserve death under Adam. He's delivered us from death, just as he delivered Abraham from a sinful, idolatrous nation. He delivers his people today from death. And what does he say? I will create. He said said to Abraham, "I, I will make a great nation of thee. I will create. That's life from above. Christ in us, the hope of salvation. I'll deliver from sin to life, from death, to life, all in Christ. And he promised Abraham, I will keep 
look over in, in Hebrews chapter 13. I will deliver from death. I will create life. I will keep. Hebrews chapter 13 in in verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will deliver. I will create. I will keep. What was it he, he promised Isaac? He promised Isaac, I will provide. Right? Look over in 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 30. He promised Isaac, I will provide. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He says, I will provide, and he provides in Christ. Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption, I will provide. According as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, right? I will provide. He said to Isaac, I'll perform the oath. I'll perform the oath. In John chapter 19, when, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished and bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I'll perform the oath. He says, he said to to Isaac, I will sustain. Uh, Look over in Hebrews with me. I will provide. I will perform the oath. And I will sustain. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hast in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. He will sustain. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath appointed thee, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as the, does a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, they shall be changed. But thou art the same, he shall sustain. Thou art the same, 
thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? But he said to Isaac, right? God said to Isaac, I will sustain. And he does. He sustains his spiritual Israel through Christ. And to Jacob, what did God promise? To Jacob, he promised access to God. Access to God. Christ is Jacob's ladder connecting God to man. Christ is. He, he, he promised oneness, oneness with God. Christ calls us his brother, his brethren. He calls us joint heirs, family with him, oneness with Christ. He promised Jacob a permanent, unbreakable bond. Turn here over to, to, to Romans. Romans chapter 5. first nine verses here of Romans chapter five, a a permanent unbreakable bond. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. This unbreakable bond. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That permanent, unbreakable bond. The, the God, of, the God of, of, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the great I am. All those promises, I'll deliver, I'll create, I'll keep, I'll provide, I'll perform, I'll sustain. Access to God, oneness with, with God, a permanent, unbreakable bond. I have seen, I have heard, I know, I know. I am come down, I will deliver, I will bring up. All the promises of God fulfilled completely in Christ, our great I am. And we bow, thankfully, and and, and we say amen. That's our responsibility to it. That's our contribution, is to bow to his I will and say amen. I think all the time how he said, I, <laughs> he doesn't need our praise. He could raise the rocks up to worship him. He doesn't, he doesn't need our praise, but, but glory to him, he sees fit to show mercy. Based on his character, based on his goodness, based on his sovereignty, based on his name, based on who he is, based on his track record, all based on him, none based on us. And I'm thankful for that. I praise him for it. Let's pray together. Our Holy Father, I, I pray that you that you bless your word as, as you see fit. Be with us as we go out through the re- remainder of this week. 
comfort as father you you know you know our sorrow in this world and in our sinfulness father you know i pray that you that you comfort and we thank you for for access to your throne of mercy through christ and it's in his name that we pray thankfully amen